Hello everyone, we're back. Chuck Kaplinski and Pam Powell, week of November 6, 2020. We've got a few movies to talk about this week. One, a real movie. And I hate to use that distinction anymore, but you know, since the whole pandemic thing, I've become very much aware of what I'll call a real movie, using air quotes, as far as a Hollywood production. Right. And then the other things that we've been getting. And and then and, <laughs> and that's just how I'm gonna how I'm gonna phrase it. And I know in the last week or so you've you've seen your fair share of ones that I don't know, maybe you'd rather watch the election than watch the movie. What do you think? Well, you and I have been talking about maybe augmenting our reviews to ones that you made it all the way through. Right. Uh, because the temptation of so many of these things on streaming is just to, well, I'm not into it after 20 minutes. I'm going to turn it off and move on to something else because that's so easy. And that certainly has been something I was tempted to do a couple of times this week. I <laughs> stuck it out. I had brain cells die that I'll never get back because of that. And thanks yeah. to you on one of them. Uh, I mean, I'm all for independent film. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I mean, people who say they're going to make movies and they go out and do it, hey, more, more power to you. You're actually living your dream. But boy, the quality. The difference is just striking at times. It is. And that doesn't always mean a better story, though, which we do find those indie gems, the opening act. Yeah. That was an, definitely an indie, an indie film. Completely. It didn't have the production value that you would see in a typical Hollywood movie, but that story was there. So if you can combine both of those things to have what you are calling a real movie, yes. then bonus. And yes, I know I sound very <laughs> snobbish using oh, that you, term. Not you. But oh, don't even get me started <laughs> with you. Uh, you are snobbier with movies though. I've had I've had a certain someone tell me that I'm the more down to earth uh -huh. and and more I guess uh consensus type of reviewer, real person, real person. Mm -hmm. and you're a little highfalutin. <laughs> I think because I've been doing this longer than you have. Okay. Uh, I, I've never considered myself to be the highfalutin type. I mean, you know me better than anyone. You know I'm not that way. Well, and I did laugh when they told <laughs> I'm me sure that. that you did. Uh, I, but again, I think it's just the more you do this, your standards shift. Well, and I think you become a little jaded too. Sure. And it's I think your your bar probably rises. You want to be more than just entertained. And you know sometimes, especially I don't know how you're feeling right now, Chuck, but this has been a really stressful week with everything going on with the election. And I just want escapism movies. And I don't care if they're like of high caliber with whatever. Just get me out of my current situation and put me into a film that will entertain me. But you go back to something, and you mentioned it just now, and it's the thing that I always refer to back to the movies of the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and that is story. Yes. If the story is there, if the script is there, it doesn't matter how much money you're spending on this thing. You know, back in the golden age of Hollywood, they didn't have the special effects, they didn't have the car chases, they didn't have the explosions. It was story and character. Right. And that was the basis. And that got lost along the way with all these other extraneous things that we can now do. Right. But it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're spending $5 or $5 million or $50 million to make a movie, if you've got a good story to tell and you can tell it well, then I'm there. And that is Robert Redford right there. Have a good story, tell it well. Yeah. So that it's brings real us, simple. It, it, it's, it seems like it should be kind of like what we talked about last week of the horror movie. Should be really simple based on these these two people who created indie horror films, and then all of a sudden everybody else thought that thought they, could, they do could do it. it. Yeah, which leads us into the dark and the wicked, uh -huh. a horror movie that what comes a, out after Halloween. What a title! 
Oh my. What a title, The Dark and the Wicked. One of two horror films that we need to talk about. Yes. This week. Actually, I would say there are three horror films, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, Dark and the Wicked. Wow, you know, it's a simple story. You think? It, it's really a simple story. <laughs> well, too simple. Uh, I don't know when it takes place. I don't think it's modern day. Maybe the 80s, 90s. Maybe. Something Doesn't like really that. Matter. It's a farm. Uh, and that's mom, nondescript, too. It's nondescript. And I don't mind that. Uh, mom has killed herself. Dad is sick. Uh, brother and sister come to take care of dad. Hijinks ensue. Did I miss anything? No, I was just thinking about mom. Was she dead? At the beginning, remember, she's cutting up carrots and she starts to cut off her fingers. Yeah. And then she hangs herself in the barn. But I didn't think she died. That's her ghost. Oh. That's her ghost. That's her hallucination. <laughs> did you okay. make it all the way through this no, one? Nope, I you didn't. Did. Okay, I did so. not. I well, did then not. Let me I fill got you bored. In. Please tell me. Let me fill you in. Apparently some demon or the devil himself is at this farm. Uh, messing with the two siblings. And they start to have hallucinations, which they, of course, feel are real. And one of them is uh, the, the young man, the son, actually sees mom on two occasions, and he thinks it is her. Uh, before he gets a big, big shock, she comes near him a couple of times and realizes that she is not there. Um, one of the things, I will, I will say, The Dark and the Wicked had some really bracing visuals at times. There were some things that really kind of shook me. There's a scene where mom is actually floating outside of a window. And that was pretty creepy. I mean, there's no question. It okay. was like, hmm, that's not something I want to wake up and see in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, there's a sequence in which dad, who is bedridden, he ends up, the girl is laying next to him, and she looks up, and he is on the ceiling, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is, was awful. So visually, there was a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. Story-wise, though, this oh thing went nowhere. Right. It was so repetitious. It was, we're seeing something, oh, my God, I'm going to scream. We're seeing something, oh, my God. It didn't move at all. It just beat this same one note into the ground, and we never find out why. Did the oh, I'm really glad I bailed. Yeah, yeah. Did the parents do something that upset a demon, and that's why they're being tortured or haunted? Is this on an Indian burial ground, and so there's a spirit? We never get any sort of explanation. And again, let's go back to story mm -hmm. and simple. All you got to do is write maybe a couple lines saying, oh, yeah, I remember when blah, blah, and he did this, right. and he could, you know, you just have to explain a little bit, and I'm there. Well, and there's, there's no, to go on that, there's no character development with anybody. Christopher Abbott Jr., I think, plays Michael in the, in the film, mm -hmm. and Marin Ireland plays the sister. And... Neither one of them have any kind of a backstory. We see that they don't get along. They're on different pages for everything. But, okay, what brother and sister aren't. And there's really just no more depth to that whatsoever. And it's always on this high note. Everything, everyone is always mm -hmm. amped up here. Mm -hmm. And so you never have, and I think you really need that in a horror film. You need that roller coaster. You need to let your guard down and relax so that you can be, ha, gotcha. I want, you, not there. I want you to remember that whole thing, mm -hmm. what you just said. I want you to remember that next week when we talk about a particular movie, okay? What one? We'll talk. Okay. Okay. All right. But yes, there has to be peaks and valleys. Yes. You can't just be on one thing all the time. Um, yeah, this was, this was really, really disappointing. Very taxing as well. Oh, and that was the other thing I was going to say. You know how I love soundtracks that tell me yeah. how I'm supposed to feel. Yes, yes. Yeah. This soundtrack, again, was, <laughs> you're supposed to be scared. You're right. Scared, right. be scared, be scared. <laughs> shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. I'm not that stupid. I can figure this out. I don't need your help. Right. 
again, a sledgehammer movie. Beat me over the head with it. You don't need to do that. All right, so neither one of us recommend this movie, and this is kind of weird. Yeah. Because it was, last you checked, it was at 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, once I post our reviews this evening, that number, of course, is going to plummet, as, <laughs> as, as we well know. I'm checking it right now. I'm going to refresh and see just where The Dark and the Wicked is. And we're still at 96% fresh. All right. So Somehow. We, how many stars did you give it? Two. Because like oh, I say, visually, visually it was okay. Okay. I gave but, it one and a half. And 96% fresh out of 53 reviews wow. counted. So it's not just a handful. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to drive that number down to about 94% tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever because our, our foot is on the scale. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Whatever that means. Well, since we're talking about um, horror movies, let's go on to Kindred then. Kindred, yeah. Yeah, a much more interesting film, but one still not without its problems. Well, and I, I enjoyed this one much, much more. A, I stayed awake, which was really good. And they had two characters that um, I cared about. Um, we've got Chloe, who, or excuse me, Charlotte, played by Tamara Lawrence, and Ben, who is dressed drop-dead gorgeous, which is was... He? Visually appealing to me. Okay, if you um, say so. Played by Edward Holcroft. Okay. And they're a cute young couple, and they're deciding that they are going to move to Australia. Well, they go to tell Ben's mom, played by Fiona Shaw. Her name is Margaret. Oh, I love this woman as an actress. I just think she is She's incredible. She's always interesting. Yeah. Yes. And Mama Bear is not too happy with the fact that uh, her young chosen prodigal son Ben is going to be moving away. Well, they leave in a huff and Charlotte and Ben find out that she is pregnant. Um, Charlotte is none too happy about that, doesn't understand how that could possibly happen. She was on the pill, so she didn't understand how that could happen. And all of a sudden, Ben dies in a very tragic yeah. accident. And we find that Charlotte is being taken care of, and I'm going to use air quotes around those two words, taken care of, well, yeah. by Mama and her, her son, her adopted son, uh, Thomas, played by Jack Loudon. Um, they live in this palatial mansion, and weird things start to happen, and Charlotte begins to hallucinate and not sure what's real, what's not. She goes through her pregnancy and weird things begin to happen and what's really happening. We have a lot of symbolism with these different types of birds, birds. coming. And I really liked this because you know how I hate birds. Mm -hmm. And we see a magpie coming and a magpie has a, a symbolism um, in some cultures as being good luck. And then in other cultures, not. And a crow is definitely symbolizing something about death. How did you How did you come upon this avian knowledge that you, you know, because, have? Because birds hate me. Nope, nope, birds hate me. And the, there are specific birds that seem to hate me more. Magpies are really difficult, and there are a lot of them out in Park City. So the, when those big things, and I'm going to use the word thing instead of the F word that I really wanted to say, uh -huh. come swooping down. You know they're going to come so, swooping down so, to you. So they, 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 they dive bomb you? They dive they... bomb me. I, I've had uh, sparrows land on me. Is like it your like not, No. Is it your shampoo? No, is because... Your, what is this? I, well, the one time that I had like 10 sparrows, okay, I'm exaggerating by two, <laughs> land on my head and my shoulders, and it wasn't a Snow White kind of moment, I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. Hmm. Have you ever had birds land on you? No. I've had um, an owl swoop mm. past me, mm -hmm. and I've had um, several hawks dive bomb me. 
in a convertible, and on my bike. I think you need to go to someone who specializes in past <laughs> lives. Because obviously you have reincarnated in some way and you have really pissed some birds off Somebody, I did in, something. in your past. This, <laughs> I this I the explanation. <laughs> so when these different birds attack me, I look up a little bit like, why are these birds around? And so then, if, then I kind of go down these rabbit holes online as you do and find out information about the symbolic aspects of these So these you could birds. really relate to her then? I could, but she actually didn't seem to mind the birds unless they were oh, in her dreams. The end. Yeah. In her dreams, they kind yeah. of freaked her out. Yeah. Or were they dreams? We don't exactly. know. Exactly. So I liked the movie. I thought it was a little slow yes. at times. I think it needed like 15 minutes oh. of chip, chip, chop, chop. And it would have been a little bit better. Um, I love the ending. This this turns out to be more of a psychological horror film and control and um, legacy. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, and I think I was texting you as I watched it, and I mentioned Rosemary's Baby. Yes. It's really got that paranoid vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, and the title of the film is The Key, really. If you don't know what Kendrick means, right. looks that, look that up, because that really tells you everything you need to know. As to what's going on, I'm with you. I, I don't. I don't. I didn't like it as much as you. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but right. I didn't like it. Really, drug for me. And uh, uh, I've always said horror films and comedies they shouldn't be longer than ninety minutes. Yeah, eighty-two is really kind of perfect. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? because you know that whole sustaining and the pace and everything. It's really tricky with films of, of that nature. Right. And this one was was just too long for me. But I did like it uh, better than The Dark and the Wicked, that's yeah. for sure. Well, and, and I didn't turn The Dark and the Wicked off, by the way. I just fell asleep. That's never a good sign. No, no. So, no. Uh, Kindred on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment is trending at 65%. Seriously. Fresh. Only 23 reviews, though. So, we're going to bump that up oh, we tonight will. when we, we will. Uh, you know, when I post our reviews, get that up to a good 67%, or maybe my <laughs> son's favorite number, 69%. We'll oh, see. Grant. Oh, Grant. Grant, who's now driving. Yeah, he's now <laughs> driving. Who knows what's, what's going to happen now? <laughs> he's fine. You taught him. You're a good driver. I am. Thank you. He'll be fine. Yeah. All right, so that's two of the big ones coming out that you can stream on Amazon Prime, and I'm sure right. any other way that I usually just push the microphone button on my remote to find things because there are so many streaming platforms, it's yeah. difficult to find, and that's the easiest thing for me to do. And that's why I'm always curious when some people will ask me, how do I find this I know, streaming? right? It's never been easier. Yeah. You're right. If you just go to whatever search engine you have, type in the title, Nine times out of ten, your smart TV is going to get you there one way or another. I think that's the key. Not everybody has a smart TV. That is the key. Yep. If you don't have a smart TV, get a Roku stick or an Amazon Fire Stick, and it'll get, right. you, get you going. Right. Absolutely. All right. So we've got one that you can go to the theater and see. Mm -hmm. So, And this is not streaming. And so this movie has to be worth it to see in theaters, to risk COVID, to risk, risk everything. <laughs> and you know what? This what? movie... It's going to be interesting as far as the box office is concerned. Uh, you know, we've had very conscious attempts, what with the release of Tenet and Unhinged, uh, to get people back to the box office. I mean, those were consciously done to do that. Uh, Let Him Go with Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. November 6th, tomorrow, that was its original date. Mm -hmm. And it has not budged from that. Uh, wow. and, and I'm curious to see how many people are going to Go. They've, I've seen commercials for this, mm -hmm. so it's pretty obvious that they're pushing it as much as they can. Uh, I think the number one movie at the box office last week was at $3.5 million. What was it? Do you uh, remember? I don't remember off okay. the top of my, okay. my head. But Interesting. Was, yeah, yeah. I think it was at $3.5 Wow. 
oh my God. Well, and you know, I'm sure you saw the report where AMC reported a $900 million loss this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know how they're still open. I don't know how, why they haven't just closed down and just saved their resources right. to when they can really go. I, I don't know. But letting go this week, I mean, we have two major stars. Right. And these are two stars, Costner and Lane, that skew to the older demographic. Right. Uh, whether they're going to be comfortable enough coming out to see this, that's going to be, you know, a key thing. Right. Well, and, and Diane Lane, it's based on the uh, book by Larry Watson of the same name. It's called Let Him Go. And Diane Lane, I love her character. She plays Margaret. She is, this takes place back in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of gritty, rough, western feel to the film. It's a modern western. So Diane Lane um, is married, her character Margaret is married to George, played by Kevin Costner. And George is a retired sheriff, and Margaret breaks horses. She's tough. She is a no-nonsense kind of woman, and their son, their adult son, James, um, and his wife, uh, Lorna, live with them along with their grandson, their little baby grandson. Well, we know right away that uh, Margaret's not too enamored with Lorna, and she doesn't really take a whole lot of, I guess, uh, pleasure in how she sees her her daughter-in-law parenting. One day, uh, James turns up dead. Um, we flash forward about five, six years, and Lorna is remarrying this uh, young man named Donnie Weeboy. Uh, Donnie isn't exactly from the best of families, we, and we get a really hinky feeling during that marriage mm-hmm. ceremony. Mm-hmm. We're not quite sure why, but we do find out very quickly um, that Donnie is physically and verbally abusive, not just to Lorna, but to little Jimmy, because Margaret witnesses this in an open public place uh, near a grocery store. Uh, Margaret is hell-bent on saving little Jimmy and decides that she is just going to go and take him. Well, this family has up and disappeared and gone into we don't know where, and Margaret and George decide that they are going to go and try and find them and take Jimmy and raise him, because I'm sure the mom would be more than fine with you know, giving up her son so that he can be raised <laughs> by somebody else. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, the question is, is, the, you know, these um, grandparents see that their grandson is in peril. I guess they're just forgetting about the fact that the, the mom is in peril, too. So I guess brush that one to the rug. That, that really rubbed me the they wrong way. They get to that eventually. Oh, but that's way too late. <laughs> that's like, oh, shit, we forgot by to put way. this in here. Yeah. Let's put this line in so we cover our asses on that, you know? Doesn't work. Um, and they, they just go on this, this hunt and they find clues because George is a former sheriff, so he's got connections. And, and then they run into the, the wee boy family. The first half of the movie, I think, is really good. They set up a, a great premise. I agree. It's this really tension-filled, awful, sorrowful kind of, of emotional and impactful story unfolding. There are some missing pieces of the puzzle, but I think, in the end, all those little missing pieces is left, are left back on the pages of the book. I think they forget to include those really integral pieces to give us more story and character development. They, there are just too many missing pieces. It's flawed. Um, then it just becomes this, this crazy, action-packed thriller that's ridiculous between um, the, the wee boy family led by the matriarch Blanche, who is Leslie Manville, who's extraordinary in this role, um, I think she's good. She's she sounds good. like Cruella DeVille. Right, but you know? I mean, it's an easy role to play. Oh, it's a fun role to yeah. play. Take it to 11. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think all the quote-unquote bad guys, all the wee boys are bad guys, 
they take it to 11 the entire time. We've, we've got, um, God, who's the, who's the guy? Donovan. Yes. Jeffrey Donovan, I think yeah, his name he was, is. We just saw him in the Liam Neeson film yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's got this creepy, sardonic smile that just, like, really sends chills down your spine. He's good. But, again, he's at 11. Everybody's at 11. And we don't know why everything is happening. Um, why are they so bad? What happened yes. in their lives? What, yes. Why is mom so horrible? Why did Donnie leave to begin with? And why did he go oh, back? Yeah, right. There are too many unanswered questions. And I had some really good solutions to this, thinking, oh, I know it's going to happen. Right. And it never did. So I was disappointed. You hit the nail right on the head. That was my big objection, too. And if I ever find the time, I want to go back and read the novel to see if that's all filled out. Because right. that was my big problem. Who are these people? Why, why are they allowed to ride roughshod over everyone in this community? Because, right. you know, they go and they talk. You know, the Coster and Lane character mention their name, and you see everyone kind of stiffen up. Right. Well, why? Right. How do they have that kind of control? Yeah, okay. We understand they're bullies, but as you're saying, what's the background? Where's the husband? Uh, why are the kids like this? They become, they're, they're like, they're, 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 I'm sorry, why no, is no, the no. wife like that? <laughs> why do you, I was thinking about the other two boys. She's got four sons or three, right, son, uh -huh. three sons, four sons, four. and the other two dolts are sitting at the, the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they are, they are all caricatures. Is there, is there inbreeding going on I know, on right? <laughs> I mean, give us something. I know. Give us something. And I really wanted to like this film. I really, this is right in my wheelhouse. It is. This is, this is my kind of movie. And you're right, there's just, they're like paper tigers, and I need more than that. I didn't, you know, we talked about the ending a little bit, and the more I've thought about the ending, I don't really have as many problems with it as I did initially. It's just this lack of fleshing out of the villain. Uh, to Costner's credit, this is really Diane Lane's film. Right. And Costner, he steps back, he comes in, he punches things up when he needs to, and he allows her to do this. This is her movie, and they're both fantastic. Uh, I know they were in the Superman film together, yeah. but their scenes together were so brief. And I wish that they had made movies when they were earlier together, because I'd love to see them in other things. They're yeah. fantastic. They're, they're really natural together. Yeah, completely. You know, they could easily be a, a retired couple. You believe you know? they've been married for oh, years. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know? I had some issues, though, with Diane Lane's character, and it wasn't in her portrayal at all. It's her inconsistencies and in how she reacted to things. She's tough. She's tough as nails. She doesn't take any shit from anybody. And there are a couple of points in there that she all of a sudden loses all of her backbone. And I don't understand it. It is inconsistent. i tell you one thing I really loved. Okay. I love the whispering thing, where she whispered to the horse. Yeah, and that was we, sweet. And then we get a call back to that at the end. I don't want to say anything. That was brilliant. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, and that's what made this film so frustrating, because you get those signs of brilliance like that you get those two performances the period pieces the period was brilliantly it was you know and that's this is the type of movie that's so frustrating because it's just right there and it's missing that one thing and it just doesn't come together right right how many stars did you get that two and a half i was yeah. right on the edge yeah me too two and a half and who knows if i watched again i might i may change my mind but i don't think so but i will go watch it again because i did like enough of the other things in there yeah, I, you know, performances were, were fine. They were really very extraordinary, Diane Lane and, and Kevin mm -hmm. Costner. I love Kevin Costner, too. I do, too. And everything that he does, he just, he's, he's old so school. real. He's yeah. a guy that could have been in the 30s, 40s. He's, he's, he doesn't overdo things. He's a film actor. And I think he gets knocked a lot because he makes what he does look easy. And right. it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
All right, so go to the theater and see that if you want to or wait until it comes out on DVD, which is my recommendation if you'd like to see it. Actually, my recommendation is pick up the book. Yeah, maybe we right? should, you know, because I'm going to try to because I like, like I say, I'm hoping it's a, it's a more fully fleshed out story. All right, pick it up and then give it to me. Okay, right. yes, ma'am. Um, we've got a couple of other movies. I just want to briefly. Oh no 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 go no 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 no! Over. There's one you're gonna mention. There's one you want to talk about. There is one. The third horror film of the year. No, it of is the not. Week. Jesus no, of God. The year. It's called Most Guys Are Losers. Jesus God! This, what a horrible film. No, it was just a fun fluff it was movie. Stupid. This is the movie that take took me out of the everything going on politically in, in our world and just brought me into a little fun, happy it space. It did not take much to take you out of this world. Man. No, it didn't. I it, would watch this only under penalty of death. Oh my God, you were way overreacting. So stupid. It was, it, was, it was charmingly silly. I'd rather watch Holiday again. Oh, I'd watch that one again too. Yeah, see, uh-huh. <laughs> Tell us what this epic is about, Pam. This is about a young girl named Sandy who's in college. I think Sandy. she's in her last year of college. In California. Out in California. She's got a boyfriend named Bo. And she wants to bring Bo home on Thanksgiving to meet her family. Well, that's intimidating for anybody. But see, her dad, Mark, played by Andy Buckley, who you said was in The Office. Is that right? Yes. You might not know the name Andy Buckley, but if you uh, have watched The Office, this is the guy who plays David Wallace. Okay. Andy Buckley's character, Mark, has written this book called Most Guys Are Losers. Well, it's a national <sighs> bestseller. And he's got basically a checklist of how most guys really are kind of slimy and horrible and by God, his daughter's not going to date any one of those little slime bags. So he he really puts poor Bo through yeah, the ringer. Through the ringer and any other um, uh, analogy you can possibly think Drawn of. Drawn and quartered. Drawn and quartered. <laughs> and Bo's actually a pretty good guy. So a lot of, you know, very predictable things happen. Um, but... The relationship between Bo and Sandy is kind of sweet, and Sandy needs to stand up for herself and make her own way in her life. Mira Sorvino plays her mom. Um, I I liked Mira in this role. I, I don't think it's a reach for her at all. No, and she's I, and giving I love, nothing to do. And I love the ending where we have a special cameo. I liked that. And I also, and here you go, Chuck, I'm going to open the door. In fact, I'm going to open a double door for you with what I say next. Mm. I loved how funny the whole sports things were in this movie. Mm. Go ahead, take it away. Mm. Open it up right there for you. Mm. Teed it up. There you go. I hate movies where it's a misunderstanding that okay. is the key. Okay. A simple misunderstanding that can be solved with just one sentence. This happens three times in this movie. And, and that's lazy film writing, screenwriting in my, in my opinion. Okay. Lazy screenwriting, in my opinion. And I'm just going to stop right there. Oh. I hated this film. Chicago Cubs. Yeah, well, whatever. That. Whatever. Of course he's a Chicago <laughs> Cubs fan. Yeah, movie takes place in Chicago, so he's a Chicago Cubs fan because there's only one baseball team in Chicago, of course. Are you a Sox fan? God damn. Yes. <laughs> Yes, overlooked again. Yeah, talk about a stereotype. You got to be a Cubs fan if you're from Chicago. I did love the fact that the kid had no idea. That was funny. And didn't know Wasn't that they had funny? won the World Series. Yeah. So, well, I guess you know. What do they say about a broken clock being right twice a day? <laughs> uh, you know, well, I guess there was one good joke in this disaster of a film. I don't think it was that much of a disaster. I thought it was total escapism. It was silly and it had its charming moments. So, 
I have a heart. You do not. Let's go on to the next one. And I have taste. You, know. you do not. Oh, I would love for you to talk about the one that I didn't see, Madre. Did you see that? I did not. Oh, okay, let's not talk I, about I, that then. I, we will talk about it next week uh, with all the other, with the election and everything going on. Yeah. My uh, viewing schedule has been kind of knocked out of kilter, so I okay. did not get to it. I'm very much looking forward to it, though. It's a foreign film uh, about a woman who loses her daughter. Uh, no, I'm sorry, loses her son. Right. He's very, very young. And then it flashes forward about 15 years to pick her up uh, and see what's happening in her life. And she meets a young man. And that's all I'm going to say at this point. But it, Isn't uh, it that the, the little boy goes missing? He goes missing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And okay. so I mean, he meets a young, she meets a young man that should be about the same age that her son would be. Right. And uh, that's all I'm going to say at this point. But yes, Madre, it's gotten great reviews. I'm really looking forward to it. But we'll talk about that one next week. You know, and I'll request the link for that. That was, I think, at this year's Sundance Film Festival. It was. Because I remember hearing a lot of good buzz about Madre. Mm-hmm. So we'll take a look at that. Uh, another film from a uh, festival, Toronto, last year was Jungle Land. It was by, written and directed by Max Winkler, who you recognize that last name because that's Henry Winkler's son. Um, Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? And Charlie Hunnam uh, stars as Stanley, uh, the brother of Lion, played by Jack O'Connell. This is a really... Is it an animated film? No. This is a, he's he's, now he's a, lion? a boxer, and his nickname is Lion. lion. He's called Lion. Does he have a mane? He kind of does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a super gritty, raw film um, about loyalty, friendship, and morality, and I highly recommend seeking this one out. It is a little on the pricey side. It's opening on Friday, November 6th on Amazon Prime. I think it's 20 bucks to stream it. What? I know, a little pricey, but it really was one of my favorites from Toronto, or hang out and wait for a couple months. It'll be probably a little cheaper in a couple months. Um, definitely put it on your list to see, though. I really liked it. It's called Jungle Land. And again, 20 bucks. it sounds like a lot to stream a movie, but if you were going to the movies, 20 bucks is right in the door. That's right. no popcorn, no pop, nothing else. So uh, when you look at it that way, it's not an unreasonable price to pay for a new film. Right, and if you have a few people in your family and you just paid for three with 20 bucks, that's pretty darn cheap, actually. Exactly. That's right. a Tuesday afternoon in Kankakee for film, film viewing. <laughs> I think it's a Tuesday afternoon here in Champaign-Urbana as well. <laughs> and Tuesdays must just be the worst. I know. Must Nobody goes the to the worst. theater then. And, you know, we've had so many um, movies based off of books. This year has been kind of weird just because so many things got bumped mm-hmm. to next year, to 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with Let Him Go, that was based on a book. Chuck, Let Him Go. Let him go. <laughs> what, what films are you or have you seen this year that you would recommend for people to see that are based on books? And maybe we should seek out the books, too. Oh, I feel like I'm really hawking books here over movies. Yeah, are you, that, getting a, um, are, are you getting a kickback from Barnes & Noble or I something? Know, I should. Or? I should check into that. Or I Amazon. So. <laughs> um, well, I know that the, you've got the one and only Ivan down, uh, which, of course, is a delight. It Ooh. is. I did read that book last year, News of the World. Oh, you did? I did, How because I knew about this film coming out. Okay. And I was very curious about it, because it's a Western. You love how, know how I love Westerns. Yeah. It was okay. I'm hoping they can improve on it in, with the movie. It stars Tom Hanks uh, in his first Western, directed by Paul Greengrass, which is an odd choice for a Western, because this is the guy who did Captain Phillips and a couple of the Born Identity films, and his camera is always moving. It's always moving. You're going to get a seizure when you watch Paul Greengrass. Uh, And that is not what this material needs. It needs a more steady, stately thing to take in the landscapes. But this is a guy, he plays a guy, Hanks plays a guy who goes around to towns after the Civil War, and he has newspapers. And he charges, or he puts his hat out, 
And if you want to, you put some money in, you go in, and he reads the newspaper to you. Because not everybody can read. Well, and not only that, you can't get the news. Okay. It's not like today, and newspapers, uh, distribution and things like that is very right. unreliable out west. It was unreliable. Right. Not every town had a newspaper. Hmm. So he's bringing the news to all these townspeople. Okay. At one of his stops, he, gets, uh, he has a friend who asks him to uh, return. He, they have found a young girl. She's about seven or eight years old. She had been taken by a Native American tribe. They had found her. And he asks him, the Hanks care, to take her back to her, her family. Because he knows there are certain cities on his circuit, and he knows he's going to go by where the family right. lives. Oh, wow. So it's all about this relationship, and she doesn't talk. Okay. Oh. She doesn't talk because she's been so traumatized by the experience. Right. So it's about their relationship as they travel from Aww. town to town. It's really a cool story. Oh, this sounds sweet. And who better to play that character than Tom Hanks? It's, again, it, it's, it's tailor-made for him. Uh, and if you like, I can get you the I still have the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and as I was reading it and I knew about the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this is completely him. He can play this role in his sleep and bring it the depth that it needs uh, so yeah, News of the World, coming out on Christmas, let's hope they stick to that date. I think they are, because I think they're hoping to get a lot of Oscar uh, attention for this, because the field is really wide open here. Right. Well, so. and he was in Greyhound, which is also based on a book, uh -huh. um, so I wonder if that's going to get a little buzz this year for his performance in that. I'm sure they will, uh, and if Apple is smart... I would put that out on theaters for a couple of weeks. Right. You know, get see if people come back, because I think we both said when we talked about that film, it's a movie that deserves to be seen on a big screen. Right, right. And then we've got um, Emma, too. You and I both oh, loved I love that Emma. Movie. And um, Bill Nighy and the woman who is in the chest. Anna, Ty Anna Tyler Joy. Yeah. Yes. Love and her. I, I haven't I, started I watching. I've started watching. I've seen one episode so far. Yeah, I need to start watching it as well. Again, you know, and that's the problem. Uh, there's just too much. There is. There's just too much. Yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy is her name. She's wonderful. She was in The Witch, a movie I loved and I know you had problems with. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I'll explain it to you later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, but she's a great, she's a dynamic actress. Uh, and I love her. The Queen's Gambit, The by Queen's the way, Gambit. Gambit. Okay, the Queen's Gambit. Uh, and I read, I finally got around to reading Dune. Uh, you did? I did. I read it over the summer oh. uh, because I love that filmmaker, Dennis Villanueva. He had done Arrival, mm -hmm. uh, Blade Runner 2049. I loved I know you love Blade Runner 2049, too. I loved Arrival. Uh, Prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> and a, he's a very intriguing, intriguing, talented director. And knowing that he was going to tackle Frank Herbert's Dune really got me. And, and you know the cast is incredible yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so I read that over the summer and now of course they've pushed that back a year. So yeah. I have to revisit that. But, yeah, and uh, I don't think that one's coming out until October of 21. And it is a movie, the book is so long, this is the first part. So, yeah, sorry. I know that really gets you enthused as well. Wait till you see the big worms, though. Oh, There's big worms I can't there. Wait. I can't <laughs> wait. Um, we've got a couple of other movies coming out based on books. Uh, one coming out November 24th is Hillbilly Elegy, uh, written by J.D. Vance. That'll be on Netflix. Devil All the Time was one that I really loved that I think didn't get enough hype. You know what? It's funny how Netflix gets behind some movies. And yeah. some they don't. Yeah. And I don't know what their thinking is or what their strategy is. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe they didn't get behind this one because it certainly isn't a family-friendly film. No. I mean, this is, this is It is raw. about family, but it's it not is. friendly. It's edgy. It really is, in many ways, I think, a modern horror story. Yeah. A domestic horror story. I, I think just they knew they weren't going to get much traction with it. 
Uh, and you know what? And I'm going to be a little pretentious here. This is where our job comes in. Yeah. Us, other film critics across the country, this is where our job comes in. When you find something like that, it's our job to get the word out. Right. And I, you know, we did what we could. I know we both like that film. Yeah. Uh, again, enough for me to try and, if I had, you know, 26 hours in a day, to, to hunt that book up. Right. Uh, challenging stuff, but, but good stuff. Anything else on the list here that uh, we are excited about coming out? I think that's about, well, we've got Deep Water, which I think might be kind of interesting because it's got Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas in it with Tracy Letts. Anything that Tracy Letts is in. You're there? I want, yeah. He is just an incredible. Even Little Women? Oh, shit. I forgot. <laughs> Except just, for that one. He just one. has a cameo in that, really. He does. Really. I mean, he doesn't really count in that cameo. one. Everything yes. but Little Women. Damn it, I forgot about that one. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. You, I'm sure you said, I'm sure in your review, you said he was the highlight. I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> but that one's Deepwater. That's coming out, I believe, in December as well. So we do have some pretty exciting things coming up in November and December, and a lot of things getting pushed back to 2021. And next week, boy. There's a lot of stuff coming out next week what that we are going out? to talk about. What? What are we talking about? Uh, a film that you've been looking forward to, Echo Boomers, yeah. with Michael Shannon. Yeah, you want to know why I'm looking forward to that? Why? Um, I, uh, when I wrote for Fet Lifestyle Magazine, the editor ran into the writer of this film at a party and said, why don't you talk with him? So I interviewed him, God, probably two years ago. And never heard anything else about it. And this is based on a true story. This is this kid's life story. This kid is probably like 28, 30 mm -hmm. years old. But this is his life story. And it is incredible. As he told me what happened in his life, my jaw was on the floor the entire time I was listening to everything. And he's created a movie and Michael Shannon is. And I think he was one of the first ones to sign on once Michael signed on. Then he was able gets, to get other people. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's Echo Boomers. We will talk about that next week. Two movies that look like they're going to be guilty pleasures. I'm looking forward to both of them next week. Fat Man. Oh, with Mel Gibson as a very violent Santa Claus, and one of your favorite oh, actors, no. and one of mine as well, Walton Goggins, Love as him. an assassin hired to kill Santa Claus. By that's, a 12-year-old kid. Yeah, that's all I know. So we'll get to more, to more about that next week. And then another sure-to-be-guilty pleasure that I'm looking forward to, Freaky. Oh, yeah. A horror take on Freaky Friday in which Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer and somehow <laughs> or another his consciousness gets switched with a teenage cheerleader and mayhem ensues from Bloomhouse. And they always have a good track record with horror films. They so, do. So there's plenty, plenty to talk about next week. Are we going to talk about Hillbilly Elegy next week because it premieres in theaters, or are we going to wait till the Netflix premiere? Um, let's see. Uh, well, let's, let's discuss that a little further. I think okay. we'll have our reviews up as soon as the embargo lifts, so you can at least go to realtalkwithchuckandpam.com to take a look at our reviews if we don't review it on our podcast next week. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Head for diamonds.